the only constant is change, a dynamic that frustrates many, but so many others thrive upon it. Charlottesville Community Engagement is intended to document as much of what's coming as possible in the hopes that more people can affect outcomes if they simply have information beforehand. It's March 9th, 2022, and I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals hears arguments in a case that could require the Virginia Board of Elections to hold a House of Delegates race this November. Another church in Charlottesville wants to build housing on its property. Albemarle's top official explains to business leaders how the county works, and one of Charlottesville's former city managers has dropped a suit against the city council. And also, singer-songwriter Michael Clem talks about his upcoming appearance at the Center at Belvedere. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, the Rivanna Conservation Alliance wants wildlife and nature photographers to enter their first-ever photography contest. The RCA wants high-resolution photos related to the Rivanna watershed, and the winning entries will be displayed at the 2022 Riverfest celebration on May 1st. The two categories are 16 and under and those over the age of 17. You can send in two entries, and the work may be used to supplement Rivanna Conservation Alliance publications. For more information, visit rivanna-river.org. The Mount View Baptist Church on St. Clair Avenue in the Locust Grove neighborhood in Charlottesville is seeking a rezoning to allow for the construction of up to 72 units on their lawn. Here's a bit from an announcement for a community meeting that's being held tonight. With this rezoning request, Mount View Baptist Church seeks to remain operational on the property and expand opportunities to serve the community by requesting to have the ability to establish a daycare on their property. Shimp Engineering has been hired to oversee the land use application process for the 3.4-acre property. 60 of the units would be built in a series of linked townhouses, and the rest would be for the church to build in the future should they choose to do so. The property has potential road connections onto several roads in the neighborhood. Not all of the property is connected to the church. An entity called Route 250 Homes purchased two single-family homes that front onto Otter Street last June, and these two properties are being added to the church property. A community meeting for that rezoning begins at 6.30 p.m. tonight. There's a link to registration in the newsletter. An attorney for former Charlottesville City Manager Teron Richardson has filed a motion with the United States Western District Court, ending a lawsuit against his former employer. Richardson had filed a civil rights suit against the city council and the city attorney in November, alleging his rights were violated by the terms of his severance agreement. However, the suit was not formally served to the city until late December, and the individual defendants were never served. The motion from attorney Kevin French is a voluntary dismissal with prejudice. A three-judge panel of the United States Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals has heard arguments in a case that could force the state of Virginia to run elections for the House of Delegates this year, and then again in 2023. 
Richmond attorney Paul Goldman has argued that those elections in 2021 are unconstitutional because the districts are based on census data from 2010, and he sued the State Board of Elections. However, the 40-minute session yesterday largely dealt with procedural issues, such as whether Goldman has the legal standing to bring the case forward, or whether the appeals court was the appropriate venue. Andrew Ferguson is the Solicitor General for Virginia, and he inherited the case from the previous administration. The plaintiff in this case contends that Virginia broke the law when it failed to hold the 2021 election on the basis of census data, which did not exist when the electoral process began. We strongly disagree, but the question before the court today is whether it has Article III jurisdiction to decide this case at all. Article 3 refers to the U.S. Constitution, which lays out how the nation's court systems should work. Ferguson argued that Goldman could not demonstrate how he was personally harmed by the elections. Last week, he filed a motion to return the case back to a lower court in order to get a ruling on that issue before taking up Goldman's underlying claim. Ferguson argued the court should not even weigh in on what is referred to as a sovereign authority claim. I think that the reason that sovereign immunity shouldn't be addressed before determining standing is that if the court were to issue an opinion on sovereign immunity, but subsequently determined there had never been any standing in this case, that sovereign immunity opinion is effectively an advisory opinion because the court never had jurisdiction to issue it in the first place. After a long and legally nuanced discussion about this issue, Goldman was asked to go ahead and make his argument, which is built upon a 1981 federal case called Cosner versus Dalton that forced Virginia to hold House of Delegates elections in 1982. Goldman argued that the current districts are not balanced by population, a violation of the one-person, one-vote principle. I am asking in here for an election in 2022. They say there won't be an election in 2022. I want to run in 2022. The state says they're not going to hold an election in 2022. I say Cosner says I have a right to run in 2022. They says it doesn't. Goldman said the legal remedy should be a new election to ensure that people are properly represented, as is their constitutional right. But he said his standing is based on being a potential candidate. I got to wait to 2024 before my new district kicks in. I am still represented by the people picked in the old districts, and that's the harm. That's why you can't do it. That's the unusual circumstance in this case. Goldman cited data that shows the imbalance. There's one district that's got 130,000 people in it, and there's another district with 67,000. They propose that doesn't change to 2024. It is blatantly unconstitutional, and I'm in this courtroom today to try to get justice. In rebuttal, Ferguson continued to press on the question of Goldman's legal standing, but said the Commonwealth would not be afraid to argue against his claims. If the courts conclude that Mr. Goldman has standing to maintain his claim, we will vigorously defend the constitutionality of the 2021 election. We do not think the 14th Amendment requires states to reapportion on the basis of census data that don't exist when the electoral process has begun. The three judges will take the matter under advisement and will issue an opinion at a later date. You are listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second subscriber-supported public service announcement, the Charlottesville area tree stewards want to draw your attention to a Virginia Festival of the Book event coming up on March 16th. 
Michelle Nyhouse will lead a virtual conversation on seeing trees, saving the great forests. Nyhouse will speak with forest scientists and preservationists Meg Lohman and John Reed. Lohman is the author of The Arbornaut, A Life Discovering the Eighth Planet in the Trees Above Us. Reed is the co-author of Evergreen, Saving Big Forests to Save the Earth. The event on March 16th begins at noon. To register, visit vabook.org. Two more segments to go, and let's go back to February 18th, where the Charlottesville Regional Chamber of Commerce held the first-ever State of the Community Forum, where leaders from Charlottesville, the University of Virginia, and Albemarle County got the chance to introduce themselves to business leaders. Yesterday's edition of this program featured comments from city officials, and today we'll hear from county leaders. Emily Kilroy is the Director of Community and Public Engagement for Albemarle County. She said she wondered why there had never before been a similar gathering with city, county, and UVA officials. It felt like such a natural convening of our community's leaders. And of course, being together today, we're reminded that the community is not just our individual pieces of the pie, but what we do to work together to grow the entire pie. County Executive Jeff Richardson said the event was a chance to discuss what he called community opportunities and to introduce his leadership team to the chamber. The most effective leaders anticipate where the community is headed and they see changes before others do. Richardson recently put that statement out to community leaders and there were some common threads about what they thought was needed. Three basically said equity access affordable housing, which means good paying jobs and access to health. So it's keeping the community affordable at all economic levels. That was three out of six. Richardson said one person said there was a need to find a new normal post-pandemic, and another said shoring up support for public safety first responders was crucial. Richardson said local government needs to be working in all of those areas. It's not just one thing. It's so many things. The county's strategic plan is intended to prioritize where county investments should go. For Richardson, that means making sure his employees are stable and that there is investment in economic development. Recently, at the end of our past budget year, we closed the year out better than expected financially. So an example of this, working in real time, is we put $5 million in our economic development fund, 4.1 was transferred to capital to move infrastructure along, 3.1 into a dedicated housing fund, and $1 million was reserved for workforce stabilization, which made our HR director very happy. Richardson urged people to apply for vacancies on various boards and commissions. There's a list on the county website if you're interested. There's a link in the newsletter. The Albemarle County Board of Supervisors will hold its first budget work session today, beginning at 3 p.m. The next edition of this program will contain information from the University of Virginia. And finally today, something a little different for this program. I hope to do more of these. The Center at Belvedere opened in June of 2020 to offer a gathering space for people of all ages, with a new facility with much more room than the former facility on Hillsdale Drive. 
the relatively new center has a performance space, and this Thursday, singer-songwriter Michael Clem will kick off a concert series for the press. Here's a bit from the event listing on the center's website. For over 30 years, Michael Clem has been playing bass, singing, and writing songs for the national touring act he co-founded, Eddie from Ohio. Since relocating to Charlottesville, he's established quite a foothold in the musical scene. Love to say your name. The event this Thursday is a return performance for Clem, who appeared at the center last fall. This was a, a very well-attended event. People from the community come out and they bring their lawn chairs. And next thing, I, I, I'm, I'm playing in basically like a, a theater type of environment. This isn't wasn't just me playing incidental white noise music while people are gabbing and socializing. They were there focused, facing forward, giving the singer-songwriter exactly what a singer-songwriter would want, an attentive crowd. A sore worker's heading to the lancet, that dog needs a lead. Clem said the last show he did there was an artistically satisfying event where he got to play original songs and he's looking forward to playing Thursday's show. I spoke to Clem two years ago at the beginning of the pandemic. Like so many others, he began performing online to people at home and contributed the proceeds to restaurants. I felt really bad for these businesses that uh, were taking such a hit, specifically the ones who butter my bread, the restaurants and the in the live music venues, and a number of them didn't survive the, the shutdown, which is really sad. One of them that survived is The Local, where Clem hosts a singer-songwriter open mic on Mondays, though that's currently on what he called Omicron hiatus. The downtime during the pandemic also allowed him to take on a personal challenge. I decided I would dedicate the, the month of April to writing one song a day. And I did. I managed to do that. I'm not saying that every song was great, but just having that exercise. And it was important for me to do that uh, to, to battle hypocrisy because I teach a songwriting class. And was, that was another thing that moved online was, was my songwriting classes through the front porch. Did a number of them on Zoom. Clem said he would play some of those songs, some of which are on an album he produced with Rusty Spidell called Rivana Rama. You can hear some of them tomorrow night at the first Thursdays around 5. For a quick taste of what Michael Clem sounds like in a show, here's a performance from the Birchmere from earlier this year. This song came right before the pandemic. Remember, remember March 2020? We kind of, yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. And, and the world just kind of came to a screeching halt. Everything. I remember the week. It was the Ides of March. It's right there in the middle. And we were about to lose our Mondays for an indefinite amount of time. And one of the regulars, Neil, contacted me. He said, you know, when we get back in about two weeks, <laughs> that's what I was thinking, um, that uh, here, here's the prompt we'll have. I thought it was a great prompt. It was, how could something so small make something so big? Great prompt. So I, I got busy right away. I wrote a song, and it's called, How Could Something So Small Make Something So Big? Yeah. Enjoy. November 65, when the lights went out, yes, the lights went out. A small electric part in Niagara Falls caused a power out, yes, a power out. The 
Old Northeast had more than a glitch. Life got interrupted by a relay switch. A quarter of the country got the bitch, bitch, bitch. How could something so small make something so big? I can't make sense of it all, but I got a wealth of time to think. Engineering gig, I don't do math, especially trig. How could something so small make something so big? The website states that the event begins at 5.01 p.m. The event is free, but registration in advance at the center is required. And that is it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. This is number 345. Interesting fact, huh? This program has been produced since July of 2020, and it will hopefully be around for quite a long time to document as much as I possibly can, and hopefully even more in the future. I am Sean Tubbs, the host of this program, and of course, you can support it by going to infoseville.com. Click on the Support the Info button for lots of different options. The most popular option is to subscribe in Substack, and the company Ting will match your initial payment. So that's a really fantastic thing that Ting does, and I'm very grateful for that. And that's great because it allows me to think about 346 all the way through to 643 and everything that's going to come between and after that. I'm very grateful to be able to do this work, and I really do appreciate it. And thank you for listening. Please share it with somebody else, and please have a fantastic day if that's something possible. If you're not having a fantastic day, that's okay too. Uh, Stay safe, stay well, and if you're not those things, I hope you can get there. Thanks for listening, and goodbye.